Welcome to the Rob at Desk Podcast. I'm Rob Blasey. Today, Tim Brangan, founder, truefans.com. Tim Brannion, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, we have a lot of things in common. I don't know if you realize this. Not so, yet. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, was reading your pro, I was reading your profile. It's like a dating pro, profile, but for podcasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're both from the Midwest. I grew up in Ohio. I'm out in Denver now. So we're both from the Midwest. Um, you started multi-million dollar companies. I've started multi-dollar companies, so, <laughs> so we have a lot in common. I don't know if you I just wanted to put that out there. No, it's great. Well, Midwest, I mean, you know, already we're friends and we've got that in common. We both and multi-dollars, walk- those add up. They so you're do. well on, I mean, you're well on your way. Right. That's how you do it. Right. You can what make one, you can make a million. Right. I just, I hear, you hear the phrase like, you can't go broke taking a profit, but I'm like, you can stay pretty poor still. <laughs> But uh, the uh, we could both walk into any basketball gym right now and probably be the best shooters in most places. But you, you being from Indiana, I just assume if we walked into a gym, I'm like, he's going to shoot at least 50% from behind the three-point line. <laughs> you would pick me up on the team. No, I dig yeah. that. Yeah, and it's funny, like everywhere, you know, I've traveled around the United States a little bit now, but it's like when you come out here to where I live and in the Midwest, everybody's got a basketball court like in their yard, in their in their driveway, right? They've oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was uncommon until later in life. I thought everybody played played basketball like we right? did. It's just like the rite of passage. Like I grew up there in Northwest Ohio. That's all we did. Mm-hmm. So when you come out to Colorado, I guess people – I used to coach basketball out here during, you know, high school basketball. And the kids were like, hey, I can't make, you know, practice on Saturday. We're going up to the mountains. Like for what? Like is there a gym up there I'm not aware of? Like what's going on? Right. Like, no, we're, we're skiing. I'm like, oh. Ah. So. Yeah, all my solo sport friends, they, they come out of like the West Coast. Like my business partner, Logan, is a fantastic skateboarder. Yeah. And there's no way, like, like I think we went out to a skate park one time. I was with him and he was trying to get me to drop in and it's like, no way. But then you're <laughs> out there and there's like little four-year-old kids, five-year-old kids that are just shredding. <laughs> oh, my friend was trying to teach me how to snowboard. It was brutal. painful. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. I the the amount of like air getting knocked out of your lungs is I just like I could I could hear them on the lift above me laughing. Yeah. And you're just like you see little five like four or five year olds just whipping right down the mountain and you're just like that I'm is just trying not, not to have an insurance claim. That's all. Yeah, that is not me. I was an athlete growing up, but man, like and I've never done normal skiing, like two you know, normal skiing. I've done I've tried to do snowboarding and I just was like, you know, my butt pretty much the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I was told it takes about three days to get good at snowboarding. If you you know consistently up there on the mountain, and it takes about a half day to get good at skiing. I'm like, yeah. why did I try snowboarding? This. <laughs> See, now I think I would have loved hockey. Like if we okay. had hockey here in the Midwest, I, that's probably my favorite sport to watch in person thus far. Oh, yeah, it's a hockey game. It's just the it was one of the coolest experiences. We were like front row, St. Louis Blues game. I remember that, and it was just awesome to to see. It. Like the TV doesn't do hockey. Right. You know, do justice. Then I, you know, we didn't, we don't really do that in the Midwest either, do we? I mean, nah, not, I mean, yeah. 
it depends on where, but like the farther north in the Midwest, I don't know when you start going, is Wisconsin and Minnesota considered yeah, yeah. Midwest? <laughs> Where's the line? I don't know. It's like, uh, it's, but then, uh, so you ever tried lacrosse? Because like, that's like the non-ice version of hockey. Right. I had buddies that played it. When I was in the military, I had a, specifically a buddy, his name's RJ, that played uh, lacrosse. And that was like my first uh sort exposure to lacrosse was okay. like i think i was like 18 years old and i'd heard I, i'd never heard of it up to that point so yeah, yeah. no i never i never played that's but he was game, all about it that's the game if i think i knew about it when i was younger i probably would have gotten into yeah but i just like hockey's just too it was just too expensive or too much work like all the ice times at four in the morning and i just that was not gonna happen I still don't know the rules to look. I think I got a baseline understanding. It's like hockey on grass, right? Like that's right. probably the easiest way. Uh, but like as far as like fouling, like what's a foul? Because it looks like they're kind of rough out there. Yeah. You know, like where's out of bounds? Is there? Like, so here's the interesting thing with out of bounds in the cross. I learned because I was watching this kid from our church played and he's like 10. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, it's, he's playing like right after church near a park near us. I'm going to go. Let's go. And so I'm asking the parents all these questions and I'm like, this is what it's like when my girlfriend sits next to me and now wife at a time, you know, when we go to a basketball game and, and she knew a lot about basketball going in, but mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, Hey, they're doing, you know, this is a backdoor screen that they're running, blah, 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 you know? And sure. she's, so we're watching the cross. I'm like, if you get the ball, like if you, the ball goes out of bounds or whatever they call that hard plastic circular thing, I'm assuming it's a ball mm -hmm. is uh, it's the closest person to the, to get it. Right. It's not like, Oh, you know, it went off a of Tim it's our ball it's oh no tim was closer to it he can go get it and the ball's the back standing. and play. huh and you're just like yeah oh. see i would have to walk i would be the person asking questions i've never been to a lacrosse game yet i just learned how to play racquetball like last year oh yeah like i was the guy previously that would just like go in there you know i remember growing up and going to the yeah. ymca and just smacking yeah. the ball as hard as i can yeah. You know, rattles around, or we end up trying not, to like hit the not, other person with yeah. the ball. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like to ask you to go play racquetball. It's like who's going to get the most bruises? It's it's really like a pastime thing though. But finally, I got my moment. Um, an older friend of mine, he's actually in the tech space too, bro broke it down to me and explained <laughs> the rules. And I was like, this is no wonder people are in here. Like, you know, there's a waiting line to play. This is awesome. But, oh, but yeah. I feel like. You know, the old guys need to give that knowledge away to us young guys. So can... <laughs> they don't want it too much. They don't want you out there too early. <laughs> right. Did you uh, have you ever tried pickleball? I love that too. So I I uh, I've only done it a few times because the the guys that are the guys and gals that play where I live, they're up like super like five a.m. Yeah. Like they have pickle pickleball tournaments or you know, oh, it's yeah. like a private club at the YMCA. Yeah. I don't know if I've earned my right yet. <laughs> you don't want to be the new guy out there ruining your float. <laughs> right. I mean, some of them are really good too, which, which I like the competition, like the, especially the racquetball guys. And the thing is like, I'm, you know, I'm 30, 30 years old, but I you know, get out there and, and I thought I was going to, you know, be a contender with some of the really old guys. Oh yeah. You know, I say really old. They're, they're like late fifties. Some of them are sixties. Yeah. And they're so skilled with like their placement of the ball. You can tell they're seasoned. They've played yeah. a long time. So they just wear me out. Like I'm running all over the place and they're just setting up these perfect hits. It's a lot of fun. I played tennis with this guy and he was, I was in my thirties at the time, early thirties. And I, I, I just picked up tennis, but I was like the basketball guy that could go play. I mean, like athletic enough and big enough. You're like, I can, you know, if I go to the net, it's going to be hard for you to get it over me at least. Right. And this guy, he had to be, 
if he wasn't 70, he was really close. I know his name was Ed. I still remember playing in singles against him once. And then uh, I was up like four to two on him in, in a set. And I'm just like, yes. And my buddy John's on the other card. I'm like, John, I'm up four two on Ed. He's just like, he poked the bear. Yeah, like, what do you mean? Long, he, goes, huh? he goes, he's taking his warm up jacket off now. Uh, <laughs> I didn't score another, I didn't win another game. <laughs> Ed was I was running lines harder than I ever ran in basketball. He's running me left to right. Yep. I was I was done. But it sounds but like yeah. we had a similar experience. Right? <laughs> no, it's it's incredible. So tell me a little bit about what you do. We connected pretty quick. One of the sites you started was True Fans, Fans with a Z. And yeah. What, what? Tell me about that, and because and a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. I mean, I can start just uh, just kind of. Yeah, we, we got into sports. I'll give everybody kind of a quick intro. My name's Tim Brandon. Uh, I am the founder of a platform called truefans.com. I've been in the, the tech space for a little over eight and a half, nine years now. Okay. Before any of all that, I was in the military. So Thanks early up, oh, the smartest thing I did as a young guy. I appreciate it. And, and real quick, for you, you know, pursuing this podcast thing and anybody out there who's an entrepreneur or, or pursuing their freedoms, um, and their ideal lifestyle, like that's the biggest salute or thank you to any veteran. Truly, I mean that. And it's, it's just awesome to, to see that, right? Like some, a lot of people give up on their dreams or a lot of people never even try to go out and do something. And so, so for the courageous few uh, that, that do, I mean, that, that's awesome. So salute to, to you and everybody else out thank there you. that's listening right now to, that's, uh, that's had the bravery to go do that. Um, so, yeah, I did the military. I grew up a knucklehead. I was... Uh, just kind of a reflection of everybody else that I was hanging around with. And none of us were going anywhere real fast. <laughs> uh, we already established, and I grew up here in the Midwest. Um, you know, not a whole lot of opportunities around here in, in my area, unless you get, get into like blue collar work, you want to go work on a, an assembly line. Nothing wrong with any of that. It's just for me, I think growing up, I had a vendetta against it. It's like, nah, okay. I'm not going to, not going to do that. There's a few think, things in my think- head that I was never going to do. What, what, what do you think built that vendetta against, like, say that? I don't know. I just I just established this predisposition in my head that if I did that, then I was selling myself short or I was like, and there were two things specifically that I remember. One was the assembly line at, at Chrysler. And again, no, not knocking any of that. Um, and then like McDonald's, if I worked at McDonald's then I was just going to consider myself, <laughs> like, like I didn't make it like, and it's such a bad perspective, but you know, I'm t- taking you back to, yeah to 16, 17 year old Tim. Yeah. Um, so, you know, long story short, I got, I got into uh, trouble again, making dumb decisions. And I was like, man, restlessness and discontent has always been this start to change in my life. That's been like this pattern. So at that point, it's like the military made the most sense. And it was a real primitive thought. I was like, okay, if I do this, love it or hate it four to six years, I can have a really great resume that I could get a job with. And um, you know, and I, I looked at some patterns from people I went to school with and it's like, okay, these guys seem like they're doing well. These guys seem like maybe they're just putting on weight and, <laughs> and they're broke. And they're, you know, just, again, my analysis, real general. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I made the decision. I was, I was nervous. Just like, I think anybody else they're being honest would say that they were, they're scared is it's the unknown, you know, you join the military. Um, and, and I went. And I got initially when I when I had joined, I was initially thinking about all the benefits and things that I could get from it. It's being transparent yeah. afterwards. You know, I found out that it gave me a lot more than I could ever repay it with, hmm. truly. 
So I made friends all over the world. I went to good places and bad places. I've been to, you know, Iraq. I flew over Afghanistan. Um, and I, I grew up really quick, but it gave me a, a, a sense of, uh, you know, duty. I played a position in the mission as a young person and then had a lot of uh, opportunities and, and a lot of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So it, it forced me to grow up pretty quick. Yeah. I and, see. uh, and yeah, so, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, my experience in the military, long story short, I, I left uh, the service and I went to college for about two semesters, got super burnout. Um, again, restlessness and discontent. I, I had heard that you could make a lot of money working overseas. So I, I jumped at the chance to do contracting, doing a very similar work to what I did in the military. What um, kind of work did you do in the military, if you don't mind me asking? So I kept people and stuff safe initially. So I was a military police officer um, in the Air Force, which is, was my branch of service that starts out really doing entry level stuff like gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you protect, um, you know, entry and exit of personnel and properties going through various areas mm-hmm. of the installation. Then I graduated, you know, I was a good troop. I was a good, good human being in general. And I, <laughs> and I listened and I scored pretty well on some tests. So I was able to do other things. Um, okay. So some of those things were personnel security detail. I got, I was a cool guy that wore khaki pants and <laughs> made sure people got to where they needed to go. I worked on systems uh, like, I don't know if I can even say that system, but I worked in, uh, in an area where I was kind of like Star Trek, a lot of computers around. And okay. I would so you're saying you did not work at Area 51? No, I did not. <laughs> I get it. But like, wink twice. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, nothing... Nothing too crazy like that. I just don't know what I what I should disclose. But I worked on systems that basically if something happened, I could notify the right people mm-hmm. and they could put things in place that needed to be in place in order to orchestrate, you know, a quick response checklist. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of a lot of interesting little components there. And that was really my first exposure to like high level technology. OK, uh, a lot of it mixed software with uh, like physical security software like actual components and hardware and i loved it it's like man this is really fun you can tinker on things you can hmm. you know manipulate different uh, systems and such to have it you know work the way that you need it to or you know enunciate better and hmm. anyway so so my military life uh was really cool and then my contract life was really cool um was no way to live a life long term i got to the point at a pretty young age yeah. that i that i made really good money but i was unhappy so I hit that threshold quick where it's like, man, you know, I'm not fulfilled. I was literally making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and I was miserable. Now, a lot of people would, would hear that. How? <laughs> like, well, well, it's like, you know, I didn't have a wife. I was lonely. I was, I was working around a bunch of dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Groundhog's Day every day, going to work, waking up. Time was this thing. Like I, I would read quotes about time or like find these memes or whatever. And it would like penetrate oh. my mind and my soul, dude. And just be like, okay, I got it. I have to do something different. I want to own my, I, I would love to make half of this money. Was, this is was my head, my thoughts. I'd love to make half of this money that I'm making now, but own my freedom, like own my time and, and, and be able to kind of control my, my day to day. So that thought, ended up turning into a lot of different ideas and plans everything from like starting a hot dog stand what dude i'm, I'm kidding you not i have a whole green folder i still have it's my office um of things that were going to be this vehicle to set me free and and like everything from a club 
because I had some money to invest and I could I could give something a shot. I thought about, you know, a restaurant or a franchise, a, a hookah lounge, a club. None of these things made sense to yeah. me. Like as I went down the road, I was like, man, you know, that's going to be a lot. Technology became this thing mm-hmm. that made sense. I could I could create residual passive income. I could invest a smaller amount and, and limit some of the risk. Mm-hmm. you know, to build up this digital service. It could be global the first day, the first week, month, year, whatever. And I didn't have to have some huge warehouse or huge building or huge staff to run it, yeah. depending on the, the service. And it just it started to click. So I, I know I have no formal education when it comes to software coding, no okay. formal education when it comes to UI, UX design. Uh, but that's the route that I went and I, and I just had belief. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I now own a multi-million dollar software company with no <laughs> formal experience. And I work with guys that are incredibly smart. That took some time. You know, none of this has been easy by any means. It takes like a really, uh, really, you know, a discipline. You have to be yeah. crazy enough to not give up when things don't go your way or you right. fail. <laughs> you, have to, you have to remain enthusiastic. <laughs> things don't go your way. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. We, we, True fans is one product. Okay. Uh, that product um, basically helps content creators get paid to post. Similarly to our competitors, you know, Patreon, mm-hmm. Coffee, OnlyFans. OnlyFans is a, is a really well-known one, and, and they've done a fantastic job. But we thought we could do better. We, You know, the problems were content creators aren't getting paid enough. They are historically undervalued. And, right. uh, you know... We, we wanted to, to put them in control, but give them a home that, you know, if they didn't want to be associated with the adult space, they could apply to join true fans. And we'd give them, you know, this invite only creator community, we'd pay them more, we'd pay them faster. And uh, we wouldn't allow the adult, adult content so they could maintain their brand without the stigma. Okay. And uh, it's just evolved from that. We, we got lucky in a way that we launched right before the, the whole COVID thing happened. Right. And, uh, we, we became, you know, a blessing was the fulfillment side of this. We became a life preserver for a lot of people that, that couldn't hit the road or that couldn't go to events or that could, you know, they needed a, a solution. Mm-hmm. And we had just so happened to be, a, you know, we were proactive about eight months before the whole COVID thing decided to, to roll out that, uh, you know, we were in place. and, and Very cool. Yeah. So that's, that's that. Do you think you would have been a successful, say, it started like even two years before that? Like say your launch was a couple years before COVID. Well, like, people's like mind. So when COVID happened, like people's mind transition, even like local business owners in the Midwest, like where we're at a lot of yeah. people, everybody pretty much went, Oh, this online thing, I need it now more than ever. Like it, right. they, they decide they everybody just kind of realized that or, or were forced to adapt. If you didn't mm-hmm. adapt, you know, during COVID, you probably don't have a business anymore. As harsh as that is to say, like, yeah. A lot of people you know, didn't or, or won't or, or they're, they're, they were forced to. Okay. So whether it was a company like building an outdoor patio to facilitate their their uh, luncheons and stuff. Yep. Or it was a coffee shop deciding to take their coffee online and sell it digitally through the mail system or through e-commerce. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that happened. And we were in the way of that, which is which is great. But honestly, man, like. I think like with what we're doing now, 
the, the paradigm shift of social media is necessary. Okay. Like, more and more people are coming keen to the fact that their data is being, you know, used to, to, to supply advertisers that are paying these companies. Facebook mm -hmm. isn't free per se. Correct. You know, uh, same with Instagram and all these, they, they're making money off of the traffic that's being generated primarily by the valuable content. Uh, and, or the creators of people, the influencers that are able to generate that interest. Yep. Um, so, you know, the paradigm shift with, with our platform is uh, it's more of a win, win, win. We have an infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're serving the creator. We're not diminishing their reach. We're not mm -hmm. selling ads on top of them. We never will. Okay. And, and we're just giving them the tools to succeed through us as a platform. That's really okay. it. So, so I think we'd still still see success but so if, so then how does the money get made like if i'm a creator i go on true fans mm -hmm. and you're not putting ads on there how nope. how what like i maybe cool. i'm just not familiar enough with those platforms that, to understand yeah, no 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 I, I i appreciate so so basically let's even use this this case right now rob okay so you have an audience and you have some people in your audience that rock with you I mean, in a big way, they love you. They love what you're doing. They love what you stand for, your mission. They would probably buy your t-shirt, right? If, if you had okay. a hat, these are what we call your true fans, right? Okay. Suiting, fitting name. All right. So if Rob was to launch a true fans channel, you would give these people special access to, let's say the last 10 minutes of the podcast that we shoot, where you go even deeper into depth okay. with me. We take off the recording. And it's like for your true fans, they get to see, or maybe the beginning before you and I even hit the record button, we were right. building a relationship. Some people would probably want to hear that or see that or, or kind of see behind the curtain. So of, like some like bonus or exclusive content. Right. Bonus, premium content, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, it just allows your audience to get, get deeper views into your content. Or if you were doing giveaways, if you were doing like, if you were already selling merchandise and things mm -hmm. like that, they get special deals for being your true fans, your subscribers. Now, do you, do you set those prices as true fans or would I be like, I want to do it for a hundred dollars a month. I want to be highly exclusive or it's, whatever. It's the, the controls and the features are totally in your hands. Okay. So you as a creator and any, any of our creators, we listen with the intent to engineer. So if you had even an idea with, with that monetization or that paywall section, you would bring it up to us or request a feature. But yeah, all that stuff is set up by you. You're, there's three phases. You sign up. Well, first you have to apply because mm -hmm. we're 100% invite only. But after you apply, there's three steps to set up. There's sign up. So you, okay. they go through our, our verification process. They set up, which is just setting up their banner, setting up their, their pricing, setting up their, their content and organizing it in a fashion that makes sense to their audiences. And then they promote, they launch to the world and we teach them some strategies on how to distribute to your ideal audiences to create more transactions and create more, um, you know, community growth inside those channels. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, Very... yeah. And, and, I mean... and we're like, you know, we're just kind of getting known now. Okay. We're just starting to hit some, we haven't ran any ads except for the beginning of this year. It's all been word of mouth or it's all been just like, you know, grunt level going out and talking to the right people. And where do you run ads at? Cause if you're like a social media platform, are you like buying Facebook time? Like, yeah, yeah, no, we told, we, we, uh, we've got Google intent based search ads right now. 
Okay. So when somebody's searching for various keywords, like we want to pop up and have some yeah. real estate there. And then we've got like one video playing right now with YouTube. But to be honest, like even our meeting earlier today, one of my business partners is <laughs> here and our, our, uh, our marketing and that side of things, like the digital marketing needs a lot of watering. Yeah. It needs a lot of nurturing because it's just, it was non-existent except for like this year. So we've architected, right. you know, what, what that's going to look like, where people are going to end up going and our, and it, within our strategy, we think the best way to attract new influencers, creators, our ideal people mm-hmm. is to give away some really cool strategy, whether they use us or not. And then on the back end, show them the open door of, by the way, here's this, we'll teach you exactly how to manually do this on your own. Mm-hmm. And then we'll show you the kind of the open door with, here's our platform where it basically does all of this for you, everything that we just described. Nice. So, you know, just free education, free value. And the open door really is kind of the, the idea of what we want to try to market. No, And so with, if you don't mind me asking, like, have you ever tried any like non-traditional media or I'd say traditional media now, like outside of, cause like if, like the YouTube ads or the Google ads or Facebook ads is crowded mm-hmm. Would something would it just, is it just too co- uh, cost inefficient to say like buy radio time or to buy uh, run mean, the TV time or something? I I'm a, I'm of the opinion now that, that you should do it all. If you can, if you can, yeah. if you can be everywhere, you can be omnipresent. That's powerful. Yeah. And that's what I see some of the really big guys doing is they're pretty much everywhere. And then they follow you around through their pixels and then you see them over here and it's like, wow, I can't get away from this guy. You know, I went to his website once and he's everywhere. Jeez. Yeah. The retargeted marketing. Sometimes my wife goes, let's search this up. I'm going to go, you can search it on your phone. I don't want to see that. Right. 30 days. Right. And uh, so, you know, and I, and I, back in the day, I used to be the kid that would say, you know, radio ads are dead. Or I would say, uh, you know, there's no value in, in newspaper or print. I think that's hogwash. I think that there is this beautiful dovetail groove between old school and new school methodologies that gives you additional touch points to your ideal audience. And if you can create a, a method, you create a system that puts you in front in all these different facets of who your ideal person or persons are, that's a good idea. Oh, and yeah. And there's so many different ways and there's cost effective ways. There's more expensive ways. There's non-traditional, traditional. I think just getting into the reconnaissance phase of is really important for any business owner. Who, who am I? Who's my ideal person? Where are they? Right. Mm-hmm. What are they reading? What are they, where, where are they uh, participating and commenting? Like what, what, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, how do I get in front of them with something that I can add value to them with? Right. Yeah. I think every brand wants to become this authority, but, but when it comes time to really become that, not a lot of pe- people feel like they, they want to give their secrets away. They don't yeah. want to, they don't want to just like tell you their systems and processes, but I think that's the way you do it. Right. You, no, that you makes become sense. the Bob Vila of your craft, <laughs> you know? Oh, Bob Vila reference. All right. <laughs> See, I'm not too this young. Old, this old house. <laughs> so yeah, no, and stuff like that. We I've always thought we're, like the information you have, it's like, you've gone through the grind of it. You figured it out and you can share it. It's like, I can go learn that or even learn it from you. But if you have the tools in place, it's like, what would I rather do with my Saturday? 
right? Do I want to go do all this stuff or whatever? Like go go for a hike with my wife mm-hmm. and enjoy, enjoy nature. Go like, oh, this platform's got it taken care of for me. It's like I can go change my own oil. I'm capable enough. Right. I don't want to. <laughs> You'd rather go play pickleball on top of the mountain. Right? Why wouldn't you want to go play pickleball? <laughs> Like it's, like it's funny when like I, I used to like I said I coached basketball for a while and I had players and they I had some friends that had these services that helped get them recruited and it's just more of a networking thing like they'd send out their you know, like a profile of their ability their grades where they went to school what they yeah. want to study and what you know what they play and then get them graded just so they can see where they were kind of going to land like what talent level should they be looking at in a college level and it was funny where they're like these kids were like no we don't want to do that it's like it was like two grand and you look at these parents, you go, they're going to send it out to thousands of colleges. Like, do you want to go yeah. look at all, all those athletic directors, all those coaches, who's the, you know, and follow up with all those people? Or just like have some guy go, oh, here, we'll build, build it one evening, send. Yep. It's like, absolutely. That's really, it's a really cool platform, by the way. That, that didn't exist when I was in school. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and, huh. it's, and it's more for like those kids that are going to go play like, like the non-ESPN schools. Like if you're that good, we're going to go play at a, you know, a Duke, North Carolina, Indiana. Like yeah. you don't need much of a recruiting service to help you out. You may need a guide to say what's going on here, mm-hmm. but you don't need a, you know, Full someone on, help. like yeah, PR team, sports PR team or something. Right like that. now with all the uh, with the name and likeness. Yeah. Who knows? It's cool. It's just an interesting little. Yeah. Cool, cool technology in right? that, in that world. It's always, anytime I end up like, like when I meet somebody, whether they're in an assembly line, whether they're working in document destruction businesses or whether they're sports, there's all medical, whatever. There's all these cool things that I just find out about the intricacies. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I deeply do nerd out on intricacies in other people's fields, whether they're cooks, chefs, Oh yeah. There's always so many details that, that go like, unnoticed most of the time. Like even as a podcaster, like like your setup and what you use StreamYard with and your distribution methods and your strat, it's just you know, I'm weird. No, I get I get that because like, like I like the business behind sports a lot mm-hmm. or like how'd they get there or what did you know I watch those engineering shows on Discovery Channel. Yep. It's like, oh, how'd they build that building? They did what? They had to overcome what? How'd they? <laughs> someone had to think of that. Like, yeah. Like I used to. That's cool. You see these big blueprints and stuff of projects, and you're going, "Who's the one in charge of this entire project to keep it moving the way it's supposed to move?" Because at some point, there's one person. Yeah. And you're going. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of systems, and there's a hierarchy of leadership. There's there's all these thoughts. It's just like, wow. Right. Yeah, even events look at the Super Bowl, like right? or the Olympics, all these oh. different. So yeah, anytime and and you know just the way that my brain, where I don't know if it's me just being maybe it's natural laziness. <laughs> I always look for like the revolving door or what could be simplified. Or if I even see somebody else like stressing or spending a lot of unnecessary time on something, I I typically start thinking about a technology or solution to help expedite. Or hey man. Have you considered? Right. <laughs> it's, that's just I don't know. No, that makes sense. So you to go back a little bit about you. So you're you're a dad. You, mm-hmm. How many kids do you have? I've got two kids. They're babies. I got a three year old son. His name's Caden. Okay. And then I've got a daughter. Her name's Finley. She's about one and a half. Oh wow! So you got your hands full. Yes. Yeah, I love it though, man. It's I tell 
tell a lot of anytime I meet somebody that's getting ready to be a dad, yeah. I tell them it's the most awesome, horrible, amazing, <laughs> <laughs> chaotic. Yeah, but it, but truly though, I mean, it's wealth. We were talking about that earlier, even before we started the live recording. I told you, I was like, man, yeah. I just want to, I want to make good friends. Yeah. I want to build strong connections with people because that's another wealth component that's important, you know, and, and doing this podcast thing, building a personal brand. The other thing that comes along with that is like your family. It's the, it's the next chapter of life. Um, you know, and it's when I got out of the military, I was pretty disgruntled, pretty okay. disgruntled dude. I, I felt like I like had maxed out life a little bit. And I was okay. You overachieved maybe, too quickly. Well, like a lot of vets, they get bitter. Okay. And they get real grumpy. And I had some of that. That's fair. I was like Scrooge and Christmas. Maybe a lot of guys in general, you know, we, we get grumpy, holidays, bad, whatever. <laughs> you just get old. Um, and having kids, you know, now I get to live again through them. If you don't yep. miss it. And that's a key thing. Like if you if you allow your kid to, to help pull you into being a kid again. And, and imagine and dream and play again, it, yeah. you'll have a good time. If you don't, if you're, if you're too grown up, too old, <laughs> you're going to miss out. Oh, that's funny. My wife and I have just, cause we got married later in life. I'm 42 and you know, she'll be 40 later this year. Yeah. We've been married a year and a half, both of our first marriage, no kids. Congrats. Thanks. So it's like even our marriage counselor, he's like, just so you know, if you guys have kids, at the carpool lane, you're gonna, you guys are gonna be the ones that are like, oh, you're picking up your grandkids. We're like, yeah. no, the, the, this is our little guy. Well, not if you keep playing pickleball on the top of the mountain. You guys are gonna be those both Bowflex couples, right? You're gonna look great. Everyone will think <laughs> <laughs> you just remain healthy. Mountain oh, climbers, man, they always look real young. I think we, we, do, we just go for hikes. I'm gonna we can. There's a about a few miles from our house. Have you ever hiked an incline like where it's the stair steps? Not outside of like the gym like on the actual treadmill incline oh yeah no those like the ink they call it, it's a hess incline it's right by our house and wow. it's, it's only like 200 steps like literal steps like you're walking up the stairs and it's funny where you're like i thought we were in decent shape all of a sudden you go up it twice you're like whoo let's just do it again just to say we you know we can do it a third time and then they have like the one down in colorado springs the manitou incline uh-huh and it's like oh, it's like a it's like a thousands of some steps. Like is there like a slide when you get to the top or do you I have to wish. walk down? You have to hike back down then. Like not <laughs> the stairs. Like if you did the stairs, your legs would be burning going down the stairs. See, if there was like a slide, I might consider, you know, just do it. It's like, all right, I'm going to get to the top of this thing and I get the bobsled down or something. That's like, I don't know if you ever heard the term like hiking a 14er mm -hmm. out here in Colorado. It's like a 14,000 foot. Like I know they're at sea level, 14,000 feet seems like where you would fly, but we can hike that out here in Colorado. And so, you know, there's like so many 14ers in Colorado, people try to hike them all and you have to leave like at three in the morning to do it so you can get to the top by two. Oh, so it's like a trifecta, like people are doing all, multiple 14s or they're doing like, like it takes well, that like long 14 one. per day. There's some places you can do multiple, like if the mountain's just right, but like you're climbing up and you're starting somewhere anywhere from eight to 10,000 feet. So, but you're talking about like a 4,000 vert vertical foot climb throughout the day. And you get yeah. up there, you're like, oh, now I got to come down. And that's where most of the injuries happen because you're exhausted. Really? Yeah, that makes sense. No, I've never, I haven't done a whole lot of, you know, Midwest out here in right? Indiana. It's a lot of flat. <laughs> I started riding bikes out here compared to when I rode my bike in Ohio. You're like, 
There is nothing level out here. It's intense, huh? Oh my gosh. Like you could ride. I used to pick like one day a week. I was going to ride my bike to work and all like I usually pick up. I think it was like a Wednesday. Like if the weather's okay, I'm just going to ride my bike anywhere I want to go. So what was the, so I mean, what was the reason to move out to Colorado? Was it work? Was it family? Friends. I just had friends that I played basketball with and he's like, Hey, come out here. So about like six, seven trips later, I'm like, okay, I'll move out there. Lived in his basement for a while, found a job. Nice. So what do you do full-time outside of like podcasting right now? Uh, software solutions, sales, project management stuff. Very cool. So we're, yeah, yeah, we do have a lot of similarities. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So 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 basically sales. That's so so my role within my tech company, like within logic square is uh, primarily just sitting down with stakeholders or whether it's a solo entrepreneur or business and I help extract if they don't already have it, like a design or a blueprint or a prototype. Okay. And then I help them communicate with the devs as a middleman facilitator and, and just help with the contract negotiation stuff. So probably really similar. Oh yeah. What what you're, you know, what you're doing. It's, I help bridge communication. I think probably is. There's a different language between the, like the real tech guys and people that trying to figure out how to tell them what they want. Yes. And how, how, yeah, how they don't know how to communicate what they want very, very easily as well, especially, you know, some of your, especially like some of the startups, you know, they may not know what they want fully. So to be able to help them choose the best backend infrastructure or, you know, how how to choose the right merchant processor that they want to facilitate payments through based on their short term, where they're at, where they want to go. Like all of that stuff matters early on. It's like, you know, the, the type of foundation you choose determines how, big your skyscraper goes right right well yeah it's, it's interesting because like the people that are really good at their craft like usually the engineers they're not always great at communicating everything they need yeah not because all. they know it intrinsically mm-hmm. and they're like how come you don't know this it's supposed right. to be blue or something and you're like i didn't know it's supposed to be blue how was i supposed to know it's supposed to be blue yes and you're just like i i would have known it was supposed to be blue i gotta go tell the customer it's got to be blue Yep. Ambiguity is the biggest like that. There's so many people that have lost money in tech and I'm, I'm one of them. The only mm-hmm. reason I know this now is because I, I failed. I failed for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars finding a team. Mm-hmm. Like I know what it feels like to not have the right team. I know what it feels yep. like to go a year without a finished product. I, I did not land where I'm at easily. If people could see my journey, they'd go, oh, wow. I'm going to rethink this entrepreneur <laughs> thing, dude. Like right? it's. Nobody but, notices you do like uh, notices an entrepreneur until they're successful, typically. Yeah. And it's like, so, you know, I ambiguity, uncertainty, lack, lacking of clear plans yep. is typically why most platforms never see the light of day. Most, okay. may, most like tech build, especially, you know, I'm specifically talking about startups, but this is in, encompassing big companies too. They spend yeah. hundreds maybe millions and millions of dollars on something that never sees the light of day. And it's because there's a process. And I think it starts with like what, what I've seen success with over the last nine years is starting with communication, designing it, drawing it in a working prototype through like Figma or Adobe XD, like, like mm-hmm. a clickable uh, prototype, talking to stakeholders, making sure that things were, were crossing the T and dot in the I where they want it and need it. And then once that process is done, a lot of everything, all the building happens in the, the prototype phase with mm-hmm. our with our team. Okay. Because once that's done, 
now we can quote it. It's cost way less up front to get this prototype done versus a live environment where you got to change code, change oh, walls, yeah. all this stuff. So then, then that goes to production once we get a, a thumbs up and it's like, okay, yep. this, you know, that's, that's how our process works. Other people maybe do something different. Um, but, but yeah, we like to start with a working prototype and that working prototype becomes the, this is what we're building. Well, yeah. Well, if you think about it, like even like if you're building a home or a, a more of a physical product, mm -hmm. it, it, software is always one of those goofy things where like I used to sell fuel tanks, like yeah. tanks that would go like in the ground at a retail gas station or the connected to generators, whatever. It's amazing how many are out there in the world that people never see. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so, but like we'd have to have a drawing and have like, you'd have to sign off on it to go like, this is, I want this, these many openings. I want the openings to be this size. I want them to be this locations, yeah. all these things on this tank. And like, it, cause we're not going to start making it until you do that. Because right. once we start making it you go, Oh no, I need this opening moved over <laughs> seven inches. And you're like, well, we can do that. But, but yeah, and there's going to no, be a cost. It's a perfect analogy, perfect example. Yeah. Nobody likes that, butt coming in. They're like, what do you mean? You just can't move it. Well, we've already, you know, or you, they want the tank eight inches smaller because it's got to fit in a certain spot or it's got to be, can we right. change the diameters? Like, well, we've ordered material for that size. It's not like yep. stretching it in Photoshop. <laughs> so, so my job is to help, help them get it all out yep. and then decide on what this minute, this, this, the sellable product looks like. And most, again, just talking about startups. Mm -hmm. It's what's that minimum sellable product look like? Because most startups are broke, you know, yeah. been there too. You're poor. You don't have any money. So everybody goes and looks for money and such. So it's like, you know, to help them create this minimum sellable thing with the least amount of ambiguity and uncertainty that, that will get them to where they need to, to get into sales mode or distribution mode yep. is the goal. And uh, yeah, so that's, you know, that, we've learned that process too. You know, we've, we've worked with clients where we didn't have those things in place years back. And it's like, ugh. you know, this, this was painful. This got, this got drug out so long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, so. Uh, I, yeah, no, all those horror stories are coming back in my mind. I'm going to have to go either get a drink or go to my psychologist again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, man. It's not, yeah. it's nice to connect with another Midwesterner. Right. I'll have to look you up if we ever end up in, out in Colorado. I've come actually on, never been out there. Come on out to Colorado. Come on. If you, we got a guest room if you want to come stay. So you awesome. your wife. I don't know if we have no, I guess we have room for two young you got kids. kids. You got kids too, yeah. so you better be careful. Right? No, also they're like, I'm like, hey, they're we're wild. I'm gonna be going to Samantha. I'm like, we're watching a probably a one and a three year old, and Tim and his wife are gonna go up in the mountain, and she's gonna be like, like, what did you agree to do? So, and, and she'll be fine with it. You're like, are they okay with the dog? Because we have a dog. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw him earlier. Yeah, Freckles is uh, like she'll sit on the couch behind me sometimes. Yeah, and so it's, it's like I just heard her bark. It's so it, it's. I, I was thinking about getting a second camera and call it Freckles Cam. Freckle Cam. That's actually pretty cool. And so just so it's like if she's ever over it there, I can be like, well, like so you can. I don't know if there's some clues in the background. You can see that I have a dog. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you have the water yeah, bowl. I see that. But the other one is the trash can on the table. Ah, <laughs> it's like, oh, she got in the trash again. <laughs> like, so it's funny. So yeah, but Tim, if someone wants to connect you with you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, so uh, you can look me up. It's at Tim Brandon. I think it's on the screen right here. Tim Brandon. That's my name. You can probably okay. type that in Google and get some get some stuff back. 
on LinkedIn, it's Tim Brannion. Uh, on TikTok, it's Tim Brannion. On YouTube, it's Tim Brannion. Uh, if, if you're interested in, in the True Fans stuff and learning more about that, it's truefans with a Z.com. Okay. And then my personal website is launching very soon. It's timbrannion.com. Okay. Um, we'll, put a, we'll put that in the description. So yeah, cool. All the tech stuff, that's logic-square.com. And if you're logic. not from India or Canada, if you want to talk to somebody in the U.S., then yeah, logic-square.com. And like I said, ge- geographically, wherever somebody's at, if they want to reach out, you know, use the corresponding number. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Well, it's been a, it's, I feel like we keep going on and on. So yeah, we maybe, could. We're friends, it, man. Right? We're from the Midwest. <laughs> we get along. It's, yeah. It's, it's funny, a different culture when you go somewhere, you meet someone from the Midwest, like, oh, you're not a vegan. no well people are always i think when i go out to the west coast a lot of times people are shocked that i want to have a conversation with them i'm I'm not you know a a lot of people out in the west coast i seem it seems like they're they're really like after making some money and it's like they want to make some connections like dude i want to get to know you i don't i don't really you know get a designer bag that's neat (laughs) you got a Ferrari. that's awesome I drive my wife nuts. I don't know if there's a hike or a walk we've been on. Like, I found the guy that did the inspection on our house on a hike. I'm like, oh, wow. Jeff, what do you do? Oh, I inspect houses. We're closing in a few weeks. We need somebody. Oh. And he's like, well, <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's right around the corner. All right. No, that's how that's wealth, man. It's you need good friends. There was a time when I was when I was building, I was really heavy building on, on different projects and, and focusing on my business. And I, I didn't have any friends. Yeah. I literally prayed. One night I was, was laying, like, sitting on the couch and I just like had this, this prayer in my head. It's just like, yo, I, I want, help me connect with good people. I want to have friends that I can drink a beer with, or hang out with. I need that. Yep. And uh, it happened within like a few weeks. I, I met a friend that introduced me to a whole group of friends and like this charity. We, we say we, uh, it's actually Wiseman International. It's the name Wiseman of it. International. Yeah, it's, it's YMCA's men. Oh yeah, it's a long yeah, it's an older organization, and uh, it's just been a blast. We we do stuff for the community, but we also, you know, hang out and it's uh, it's the fellas. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, you need that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim, if there's any way I can help you out, definitely let me know. Stay in touch, and maybe we'll do this again. Yeah, likewise, Rob. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Tim. Thank you so much.